Greetings, podcast enthusiasts near and far. I'm Paulette Gloria Harwood, and I'm your host of Thriving in Chaos. As podcasts are the trendy things to do these days, I thank you for sharing the love by tuning in. I'm thrilled you're listening to the sparkling examples of excellence in womanhood I find and curate. I believe these inspiring, wise, powerful, trailblazing souls light the way for us as we each learn to gracefully navigate our journeys. As a certified divorce coach, I have been witness to confusion, sadness, change, and growth. I have learned that all we really need is to share our knowledge, support, and love to guide our sisters to all the possibilities in life. I am dedicated to helping clients leave behind the turmoil, confusion, and chaos of divorce while adding value to their best life with tips, tools, and personal experience. If you are so inspired, please subscribe to my podcast and share with others you think who may benefit. And now, let's thrive in chaos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm Paulette Gloria Harwood, and I'm your host, and this is Thriving in Chaos. This podcast is designed to support and inspire those who are looking to live their best, most authentic life and lifestyle. I believe that no matter what your circumstances, every day is a chance to turn it all around through education, support, and expert guidance. I also want to take just a moment to share why Elizabeth Ann Stanley has not been on the podcast of late. She is gracefully, emotionally supporting her family during an illness of a dear family member. She will grace the air again when time permits. Sending you my love, Elizabeth. I also like to take a moment to talk about my slug in the honey, or the fly in the Chardonnay, or call it whatever you want, the pothole in the road. And I started this little segment way back when we first started the podcast back in January. And I really think it's important for us to all address maybe an item, a conversation, an event, or something that's happening in our life that is really giving us difficulty. Because when we address it and we work with it, then it loses its clang. It loses its you know, grasp on you. So lately, it's been technology. <laughs> We've been traveling a ton and losing signals and coming and going and all of that can be really frustrating. No matter what room you're in and it has beautiful sound and acoustics and your headphones and your tech, sometimes you just have to go with it. So that's my slug. What's yours? We can talk later about that. So today we are really blessed to have with us Miss Julie Levin of Aspen, Colorado. And the interesting thing with Julie is that I was searching for somebody just like her in my, you know, prayers and dreams and journaling to be able to find somebody that really knew her stuff regarding skincare and botanicals. And I was searching for somebody who really was a walker and not just a talker in this industry. I have been finding that there's, you know, a lot of people that can 
produce pretty cool products, but they don't really stand behind it and don't have the education to back it up. Well, today, step aside, fear no more. I found her. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And thanks for taking the time. I know it's not always easy for somebody that has a business and is a woman of business. And I know you work with your husband. So, but still, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big undertaking. So thank you for taking your time today. Thank you. Yeah, this, is, this will be fun. And I'm excited to explain a little bit more about my background and, and what we do. Thank you. Well, everybody, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that Julie and I met kind of by accident. And Steve and I were um, together and we had flown from Belize to Aspen in the summer of 2017. And Julie happened to be there. We met at the Aspen Farmer's Market on a, I believe it was a Saturday morning, pretty early, where we were going to pick out the food for our wedding. And we had just eloped and we were there to be married by my yoga teacher, Rod Stryker, who happens to live up the street from Aspen in a little tiny town called Carbondale. I'm sure you know it, Julie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we were both instantly struck by who you were, your integrity and your knowledge just oozed out of every pore that you have. And it was really fascinating to walk through this farmer's market. Now, for those of you that have not been to Aspen, wow, like I'm not a skier, so I've never really been there in winter. Uh, Snow and I, I think, are allergic to one another, but that's maybe another conversation. So when we were deciding to get married, uh, our choice was to meet Rod in Bavaria, where he was teaching that July, or to wait to go to Colorado, where he lived in August. And we looked at our calendar and August 1. So naturally, we wanted to get married somewhere in a beautiful environment really close to nature because we're both very connected to nature. It makes us both very happy. And we were immediately in awe of how amazing this farmer's market is. It's probably one of the largest farmer's market I've been to other than the one in Maui. But the one in Aspen is really quite magical. There's everything from tomatoes to bicycles to clothing to art to you name it, it's there. Amazing food. And it really is a community. And we were struck by just how strong that community was, particularly in the summer where the weather is so nice and everybody's outside and really enjoying each other and conversation and not, you know, running from the gondola to the car with the, go- with the goggles and the, the skis over your shoulder, but really are able to get outside into nature and, and enjoy the entire environment. So as we, you know, cruised up and down the aisles of these, um, you know, shall we say, you know, tents, right? Like tents, little tents. Mm -hmm. We were struck by how just how many other or how many of skincare or botanical or mom and pop do it yourself, you know, DIY type of products there were there. There's a very large entrepreneurial community there. But we weren't really impressed with the products. They were really nice or they specialized perhaps in one item. But you specialize in everything. (laughs) So when we found you and we're really just struck by your, your, the depth of your knowledge and your background, just from sparking up a conversation with you, 
we felt that your integrity and education and background was second to none. So if you wouldn't, you know, if you could, you know, humor me and share with the audience a little bit about your your background and your education about natural health care and botanicals and essential oils, um, I think that would be a really good place to start. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And and I do remember meeting you guys there. It was also so cute because um, my husband and I, who live here in the mountains, we eloped a few years earlier at the beach. <laughs> and so I thought that was so funny. You know, you guys spending most of your time near the beach in the ocean had come to the mountains to elope. And, you know, we had chosen the beach for similar reasons, you know, just opposite environment. Um, but that also kind of, I think, created a really sweet connection for me to you. You know, it was like, they totally get it. They're just coming from the other place to here, New York from here to the other place. Um, yeah, I, I love that. There's like but, this karmic connection and circle. Yeah. Mountains to ocean, ocean to mountain, because I, I would always say, oh, if I could only just pick Aspen up and put it at the beach. Right, right. Well, where <laughs> I grew I up in Alaska to... is basically mm. that combination, but it's just not warm. <laughs> you know, because right. I grew up in Alaska on the beach with the mountains However, you're not going to be getting into the water or, you know, wearing a bathing suit at the beach. You'll be in a sweater and a hat and, you know, some shoes and things because it's quite cool. But you do get the that visual beauty of all those components together, um, which is really quite amazing. Mm. So, um, yeah. So leaf people and kind of how all this wove together, you know, it really started, you know, as a child. I grew up in a very rural area of Alaska uh, we were dependent quite a bit on our environment for survival. You know, we caught all our own food, um, primarily fish. We didn't hunt, but we fished. And uh, at times we grew vegetables and things. It's a little bit of a difficult growing season up there because the summer is so short. But we did a lot of wild foraging and we always kept track of what edibles were growing nearby. And just, you know, watching those populations and keeping a connection with them um, when I was younger. And then uh, after that, I had the opportunity, you know, I went to college and in college I had this epiphany that I must travel, you know, uh, before I really settled down into something more serious. And I did a quite extensive, you know, trip around the world, you know, very organic with the backpack, you know hitchhiking, buses, catching rides where I could, you know, planes at time when I was making larger moves. Um, and I studied botanical medicine throughout all the places that I went, you know, I, in Australia, which was one of my first stops, I actually had the opportunity to, uh, I had a friend who was just finishing her naturopathic degree and, um, she kind of used me as like a study, you know, um, as part of her practicum, you know, to finish her degree, because I had had some childhood illnesses that, you know, I was working with, trying to work with naturally, that I had also worked with Western medicine on, and I was trying to, you know, just take it into a more natural space and and, and uh, deal with that in a more natural way. So that was the first time of really seeing, you know, holistic medicine, naturopathic medicine, and herbalism in a professional setting and, and mm. kind of opened my eyes like, okay, this is something that you can actually do, um, to help others in a more profound way. Um, 
prior to that growing up, I had worked in one of the only organic bakeries in Alaska. Um, that was, you know, started by a couple who were, you know, very adamant about the whole organic movement. So I'd had some like healing with foods in a natural way training prior to that, but very loose, you know, where in, in Australia, this was the first time that it was a very formal uh, education and, and formal path presented. And that, you know, so inspired me that, uh, you know, everywhere I went afterwards, I just, you know, sought out to heal or to find, you know, indigenous medicines, indigenous healers, uh, indigenous herbalists, wherever I went. And I spent quite a bit of time in South America uh, studying plant medicine in the Amazon, as well as the Andes. Um, I spent some time in Europe studying naturopathic medicine in Europe, which is, is a great foundation to have because a lot of our herbalism that we practice here in the United States came from Europe. Mm -hmm. So it was good to get that. Um, then I got on a boat and ended up in Hong Kong and China and was exposed to traditional Chinese medicine. And, um, and then when I finally returned back home, I went back to school formally for Western herbalism. And uh, I also met, met my mentor at that time, my herbalist mentor, who's a master herbalist, and she was producing both internal medicines and preparations, as well as her own skincare line. And we've had a very uh, tight relationship now for uh, 20, 20 plus years. And mm. um, so I got to have both, you know, the old world teacher student relationship where it's just, you know, sort of passed down through experience, story, sleeping in the trees, meditating with the trees, you know, kind of that old world way, as well as going to school for medical herbalism, where you get the more, you know, science-based, you know, learning all the chemical constituents in a plant, how they're harvested, more botany focused um, aspects. So it was a really nice blend, you know, of these two types of education. I felt it was very well-rounded. Mm. Um, and so then from there, after, you know, I finished the, that schooling, you know, I went on to create Leaf People, you know, the organic skincare line that we have today. Mm, fascinating story. I, I just went on this amazing trip from Alaska to backpacking around the world, Australia and South America, the Andes and Europe and Hong Kong, and finally coming back home. And how long did that take you from when you went to college to the time when you came back to formally study in the States? Um, well, from when I started that particular trip, it was three and a half years. Okay. I was on the road for three and a half years. Yeah. And how does somebody who traveled the world learning all about these different cultures, kind of viewpoints on medicine, how did you cope coming back to seeing the way things were with the Western viewpoint of you get sick, you go to the doctor, you get a drug and you do what you're told and take, what's that song, you know, take two pills, call me in the morning. You know, right. like, how did, how did that feel to you? It was, it was difficult. You know, it's funny because um, at the time that I was returning, one of my closest friends from, from college, from undergrad, she was just finishing her medical degree you know, mm. her residencies and all that stuff, you know, she takes several yeah. years and I was traveling that time and, and came back. And so, um, 
yeah, I'll admit it was difficult to talk to her, you know, about anything in that realm because she, um, you know, going to herbs was not her first stop and going to medicine was not my first stop, you know, so we kind of spent several years where we kind of just didn't discuss it, you know, because it was, um, always became kind of an agree to disagree situation. Although now, you know, 20 years later in her practice, we talk about it a lot more because she is integrating herbs and alternative medicines into her, you know, how she treats her clients. So it's, it's a little bit more comfortable now, but, but it was, you know, it was an abrasive edge when I came back, it was hard to, um, you know, because all of, you know, my friends and, family, everybody, you know, had been so conditioned, you know, something's wrong, you go to the doctor, you get your medicine, you get better. And um, I just had to really kind of stay true to the things I had learned through school and and through traveling, working with these different indigenous um, plant healers. And I have found now, you know, now that we've had our company for 15 years, you know, on quite a few occasions, I get people who comment back that, you know, some of our like healing balms and, and our more medicinal products that we make um, work better than preparations that they get from the doctor or, or work better from, you know, better than their, you know, expensive prescription topical ointment that has been prescribed to deal with whatever skin condition that they have. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I think in, in a wide view, more and more people are kind of opening up to this, but, but in the beginning it was difficult, definitely, you know, cause I, I got a lot of, uh, you know, looks that, you know, like, she's just kind of nuts, you know, you know, you I can understand. make a, you can make a poultice out of these flowers and put that on there and wrap it up and you'll be just fine versus that steroid cream with, you know, petroleum base and God knows what else is in there. Like, so it's, but, but the transition is happening, you know, it's definitely happening where there's yeah. not such a gap, you know, the gap is closing. Yeah. I find that really inspiring, Julie, that you had this friend who was doing her traditional, you know, residency uh, in Western medicine. I'm not sure what her, you know, uh, focus was right. But, and she is now opening the door uh, or at least being open-minded enough to integrate some more natural healthcare botanicals in her work is yeah how, yeah do you she know was, enough about a, that she was a do she's a do and she uh, worked many years in um uh women's health and things like that and now she's more general medicine um but it, it took a while like it took a while but now she's you know like telling people to take turmeric and uh you know to help with anti-inflammatory stuff and um some of those you know uh, herbs that are, you can't take too much, you know what I mean? They're pretty, um, compatible for any type of person, you know, things like that. Combining ginger, if you are taking it, uh, anti-inflammatory like ibuprofen or something, combining that with ginger to get a better effect so that you can take less ibuprofen. Uh, when you combine it with the ginger, you'll get the same effect with less ibuprofen. Um, you know, there's different combinations like that, that are helpful that she's starting to, um, discuss with her patients. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious how the name became curated leaf people. Um, <laughs> it, it, I, I'm not sure yeah. if that's something that was a dream or you started, uh, 
but sketching a little piece of paper and drawing a leaf or like where, where did the name leaf people come from? Uh, I feel like it should have this really interesting story. I don't know the story. So I'm so curious. (laughs) How did you come up with naming your business leaf people? Well, um, so I spent a lot, I've spent a lot of time in various forests around the world, including the Amazon and, um, Upon my return, well, it's two, two parts. So upon my return, I also uh, am a ceramic artist and I had done ceramics very seriously up until the point of leaving on this trip. And uh, when I came back three and a half years later, I got back into uh, my clay work. And one of the first series that I made in ceramics that was inspired by all this time in the forest was called The Leaf People. Mm. And it was these series of pots that were, you know, to like tell the story of the plant spirits and, you know, kind of like, and, and they were very animated and fun and, you know, alive and um, just, you know, kind of like to get their message out there through this art form. And so then when I started working on the botanical line, I was like having a really hard time coming up with a name and I was talking with a friend and we're like, you know, this is just really, it's kind of like the deconstruction and then reconstruction of the series on the leaf people. Cause you know, the, I made the, the leaf people were all made with clays that would eventually biodegrade back into the earth and not be toxic. And, you know, the, the glazes were all from natural materials and, you know, like all stuff like that. And, you know, they weren't meant to be around forever. You know, they were kind of, the story and then they would eventually just go back into the earth you know like plants you know they bloom and have leaves and then they fall off and go back into the earth and um so uh and I was like you're right you know (laughs) this is kind of a deconstruction and reconstruction of the leaf people series and then it was just you know a little bit of basic business stuff it happened that the name was available the domain was available (laughs) you know what I mean all those things which you have to have and make sense for starting a company and um and then the design pattern on the front of our box there's a little leaf kind of icon a little leaf person so to say and that that leaf design is specifically from a tree in the amazon where you know as as it grows you know some of the lower branches the leaves kind of dry out and fall off as the new ones are coming out the top and as they dry the leaf twists and kind of dries in this twisted form and then when it falls off they like twirl down you know this twisted Mm -hmm. shape of the leaf like twirls down so you can be sitting near these trees and you'll just kind of get these like like little twirling fairies you know that just sort of fall around you and um that you know was just something I found so pleasurable when I was there and so that that little leaf man or leaf person on on the box is is based after that specific leaf Mm. I love that because I was always so curious like okay who's with the little the little fairy on the box and Uh I am a lover of angels and fairies and anything that's whimsical and botanical and I found the box is just so adorable I hated to throw them away or recycle them yeah thanks thanks for sharing yeah so it's kind of you know so it really was burst in the jungle and then sort of evolved out of that (laughs) So now I just want to share a little bit about how 
you know, Steve and I did for two years have a, an aerial yoga studio and a spa in Belize. We have since decided to not stay at the location where we were and close that and are in the transition of, of recreating that to a new location, but that could take a little bit of time. But in the meantime, for two years, we were also learning more about your products because we were using them and selling them. So um, of course, naturally, when we met at the farmer's market, I bought one of your little kits because we were traveling and what better way to play with new products or, you know, to try something is to actually get the product in a small sample. And you were always so generous about, oh, try this, try this, try this. And I kept it with me the whole time that we were in Aspen and religiously loved the products. And I, I found a serious shift in the irritation in my skin. Um, if you've never been to Colorado, there's zero, <laughs> well, maybe like 19% humidity there, but not a lot. And it's so easy for your skin to feel dry. Mm-hmm. No matter how much water I drank, Julie, I was always chronically dehydrated and thirsty. Yeah. Um, in the hotel lobby, they gave us this little kind of potion that had, I believe, chlorophyll in it to kind of, it was like, like a green little drop they put in it uh, that really helped hydrate your body or chronically thirsty, but so was my skin, my dear. And your products really helped. And I immediately fell in love with your toner and your sprays because it made me feel like my skin wasn't going to fall off my face. Um, the, the sun can be quite intense there too in the summertime and the wind and the lack of moisture in the, in the air can really do a toll on your skin, not just on your face, but everywhere. So I became quite a fan of your entire line. And then when we went back to Belize, uh, humidity 101 kicked back in and I needed to adjust the, the amounts I was using a little bit based on a little less moisture and a little bit more of a um, protection against the wind and the elements and the sun because I was shifting from lack of humidity and you know that kind of dry, dry climate, but shifting to a much more moist, dense, uh, fiercer in, uh, environment in a very different way. And the products were able to adjust to me and the and to the, the elements. I don't know if that was by accident or intention, but I didn't have to really adjust what I was using, just a little bit more about how much I was using. It, did I just make that up or is there some some truth to that? No, I, I find that too. You know, I mean, I can take my regime to Hawaii um, or other places. And, and quite honestly, in the beginning, I was a bit surprised that they were so versatile in different climates. And yeah, you're exactly correct. It's you just sort of change up how much you're using of which product, depending on what kind of climate you're in, if you're in more of a desert or if you're in a high mountain or if you're in a humid um, beach environment or, uh, you know, like kind of humid rainforest environment, it's, it all still works. You're just, you just kind of shift a little bit more of this and a little bit less of that. Um, but I think it's mainly just because, you know, we really focus on using ingredients with a small molecule size. You know, I'm a very, uh, fastidious about molecular sizes of ingredients that go into our products. And, you know, and that's so that you get this good uh, absorption to the skin, you know, you're getting like a nice absorption to the pores. You don't have anything that's too big that's going to sit on top. 
and um, and you can get a nice saturation throughout your whole skin tissue. And so I think that really plays a big part in the products being so versatile, depending on where you are. And then mm. additionally, since we, everything is, you know, um, plant-based, you know, especially organic plant-based, certified organic plant-based, you know, your skin really recognizes that it wants to take it in, you know, it wants those botanicals in, it has an affinity for that. And so making sure that each formula is, has a really nice botanical profile that's balanced, you know, that's another key factor and, and something that is different in formulators that are um, like coming from a cosmetic chemistry type of training versus an herbal training, you know, we're trained to formulate and choose the plants that go together so that they're energetically balanced. We put a lot of allied plants together, you know, because different plants want to be near other plants, you know, so you work with these different affinities within the botanical world. Um, and I think all those subtle aspects you know, they help your body absorb, they help your body take it in. You don't, you know, you're not mm. like putting on a product that's conflicting with itself. You know what I mean? It's in harmony, yes. you know, it's all in harmony. So, um, your body wants to take it in and, and, you know, therefore the environment is kind of, it doesn't matter, you know, it's sure. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. I love how you just said the, that the, the, the chem, the cosmetically cause Cosmetically, yeah, I think that's the word to use. Yeah, based cosmetic chemist. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit for those out there that maybe, you know, are still struggling with running out to CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens or any of our kind of um, run-of-the-mill pharmacy type of, of places where people will get skincare products? Um, we're all kind of taught as young women, okay, how you got to cleanse your skin, you got to tone your skin, you've got to moisturize your skin. So what do they do? They run in and they, they get a, a product, maybe it's on sale, maybe it's not. And they get those products and they're really not of the mindset to understand that the, that the, the chemical or the cosmetic based chemical industry versus the botanical industry, you know, is much more about profit being driven and getting you to buy a lot of products for a lot of money and keep you coming back um, and how damaging and harmful those products are in fact to your skin. When I stop to read the ingredients, which is a full-time job if you actually sit in CVS and you flip over the box and you take a moment to actually read the ingredients in these products, it's horrifying the colors and the names and the I mean there's like propylene glycol and mm -hmm. you know which is I believe antifreeze in a mm -hmm. lot of products and mm -hmm. I mean it, that's just don't get me started on food but uh from what I understand um I, I not that I have ever but I, I guess because your products are certified organic plant-based you could eat them yes mm -hmm. and the idea yeah. of eating some of them don't taste so good but but you can't eat them. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I kind of said that with a little bit of chuckle and it would not be, but you could eat them, I suppose, if you were starving, right? Mm -hmm. But the idea of eating 
Neutrogena or oil, oil of Olay or, you know, and there's, and there's thousands of brands now. And of course you can go to Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's and Sephora, which is a chemical shit storm as far as I'm concerned. Um, I walk in there and I get itchy, but um, it, the, there's so, the perfumes, the, the chemicals and the additives and, it just it it makes me so confused um, regarding why the government does not enforce or at least um, give guidelines as to what in fact can go in women's cosmetics and women's skincare and dudes you too like men men now you know hey we we live in a different world men wear makeup women wear makeup men you know care about their skin just as much as women do and you have a men's line which uh, Steve loves but i i don't really think the average person out there and when i say average hey like i'm average too this isn't like pointing fingers we all need to be educated about just how damaging and confusing this world of well you know what i have to trust them because they're the experts and if they have it on the shelf then it must be okay because how do they get away with creating and formulating and making a product in a lab where it's all about chemicals and additives how do they get away with doing that mm -hmm. it, i just i don't understand um yes i can definitely address this topic it's a big one but um I'll, I'll start with an interesting story uh, okay. and then we'll dive into it. But I, I remember when I very first started making the line and, you know, I started with some face serums and body oils, you know, that were all infused with plants, uh, just some, and, and some of those ended up being our flagship products that we still have today. Um, but just, you know, really clean, uh, you know, nice formulas, hundred percent raw, hundred percent organic, you know, you could eat them. And, uh, and I had a friend uh, who, who lives in LA who came out to visit. She's like, you know, I really love your body oils, but you've got to try this one. You know, this one is amazing. And I'm like, okay. And I, you know, and it's from some spa in Germany and beautifully packaged and so on and so forth. And I'm sure very, very expensive. And I tried it and it was amazing. You know, this oil went on and it just disappeared and there was no residue. And I'm like, this is really pretty phenomenal. Like, how does this work? And so, um, I, you know, Google, 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 can't find the ingredients, can't find any other information, so on and so forth. Finally, through quite a bit of searching, found what was in that product and it was a synthetically made oil designed to evaporate once hitting the skin. So you had no feel left, you know, like you could put it on and then it just felt like nothing, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, so I got a hold of her and I'm like, well, you know, the reason this, this product feels this way on your skin is, you know, because it's synthetically made. It's not even, you know, it was, it, it was made in the lab to have this effect. And yes, aesthetically, that, that feels really amazing, but it's, it's truly doing absolutely nothing for you and, and could be harming you. Like, we don't know what this is made of, you know what I mean? Like, what, what did they put together to even create this in the lab in the first place? And so uh, I thought that was, that was really, that was a really interesting turning point uh, for me as a manufacturer and, and kind of sort of blew my mind that, you know, this fancy spa in Germany, you know, touting all this stuff is actually using 
ingredients that have mm-hmm. been made in a lab. And, um, but, you know, to segue more into just common things that you do see in, in places like CVS and, and Rite Aid and whatnot, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really a sad, but true reality that, you know, a lot of these companies, their, their main focus is marketing. Um, that's where the money goes. It's not on what goes into, the, you know, what goes into the bottle. Um, and cosmetic chemistry, which is a field, you know, you can go to school for that and get a degree, uh, is really more focused on, um, you know, how to keep the, the cost of the, of the formula down, how to mass the manufacturer, um, you know, possibly what key things are, you know, hot right now that you can market the product well with so on and so forth. And so, um, you know, a lot of those lotions like Lubiderm, for instance, uh, you know, I mean, they're all, I think Lubiderm is actually um, petrochemically based. I saw some on the counter somewhere a couple months ago and I just looked at the ingredients and was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is still being sold. Um, but it's, you know, there's nothing in there that will help you, you know, and it, and it basically works because it, it covers the skin so none of your own moisture can come out. And right. um, so therefore, over time, you feel more hydrated because your own moisture can't get out. But that's the whole point of the skin. This stuff comes in and goes out through your skin. It breathes. It needs right. to, to do that function. And so when you're putting um, a lot of these uh, products that are, are made with these chemicals, these different various cosmetic, synthetic-based ingredients, um, that's what they're doing. They're just covering the skin so your own moisture can't get out. And then therefore your skin does stay more hydrated, but you're also keeping all your own toxins in your things that your skin needs to express for you to stay healthy and for your skin to look really radiant and bright and, and be healthy over time. That can't happen anymore, you know, cause it's trapped right. inside. Um, one thing I tell people, you know, especially people who are kind of new to label reading is, you know, don't get caught up with the whole formula. Just mm-hmm. start with the first five to seven ingredients. Like mm-hmm. most of what you see is going to be in those first five to seven. That's not how I personally formulate. You know, we have, you know, a large portion of botanicals, you know, throughout, but, um, but commonly in, in mass manufacturing, that's how it works. So, you know, you don't want there to be any big alcohols, you know, glycols, you know, any of those silicones. It's definitely no mineral oils or petrochemically based ingredients, you know, anything like that in that first core stack of of what's in there. Um, Obviously, we can get into preservatives and other things that would be a smaller amount in the formula and therefore found at the bottom, but you kind of have to learn this in stages. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you can't, it, it becomes overwhelming if you're trying to assess an entire uh, list of ingredients from the get-go. I find it's easier to kind of avoid these five in the top five, you know what I mean? And then avoid these ones in the bottom five, you know, you know, and kind of learn it by in groups like that. Um, but you know, the, 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 uh, the, sadly, you know, for a lot of companies, 
the bottom line is money. You know, it comes down mm-hmm. to dollars and cents. And, you know, that's something, you know, Leaf People has been, you know, slower growing, uh, but steadily growing. And, but I've, I've kept it completely self-financed. You know, I don't have a board of people I have to answer to. I don't have other people that if I make a more expensive choice than an ingredient that's going to get upset because it's going to affect how much money they get or their cut. You know, I don't have to deal with that stuff, you know, right. because I've, I started this company. It's my company. I've self-financed this company through working my tail off basically. And, um, therefore I can, I can make decisions to put, you know, the best things we possibly can in there at the quantities that will actually do something for you, you know, right. um, there's, you know, I've studied extensively the, uh, kind of the windows of concentrations that are effective, you know, certain plants, if you have too little, it doesn't really do anything. If you go much higher, it's not going to make it any better. You know, there's specific windows. So we target those windows in terms of the concentrations of those botanicals and the formulas. Um, so, you know, those are things that, you know, we can do just also because of how the business is structured. And when you move to a larger corporate manufactured items, you can't do that. You don't, you don't have that freedom anymore. Right. No, that makes perfect sense because you being the CEO, owner, curator, founder, uh, mixer, you know, marketer, like, you know, you, I know you have a, a large, um, you know, infrastructure with the, the, I know you just built a new uh, facility. So this mm-hmm. is really exciting. I'll have you share that in a moment, but you're, you're, you're not doing this all by yourself, but you are really overseeing and overlooking and that's where the integrity comes from so whereas with those you know the the cosmo cosmetic chemistry lab-based products versus the organic plant-based botanical products are coming from a very different purpose versus marketing money dollar 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 versus well-being nature environment health and wellness it's those two worlds typically don't collide you know personally my own personal journey with organic skincare happened by accident i grew up my grandmother was obsessed with estee lauder mm-hmm. <laughs> can everybody like chuckle about that um mm-hmm. and you know that was and i think it had more fragrance in it than perfume itself it was but the packages were so glamorous and beautiful. And I remember her whipping out her lipstick and it was just this gorgeous, sleek, you know, gold case. And she had the little um, purse where she could, you know, unhinge the compact and in the compact, she'd have a mirror and a powder and a little bit of blush and lipstick. And she'd have this fragrance that was just so strong. I think it was called Youth Do, that it would literally knock you to your seat because it was so powerful. We'd walk in a restaurant and everybody could smell my grandmother before she entered the room. So that was my childhood about makeup. And my mother pretty much used theatrical makeup because she was a ballerina and she had a dance studio. So it was always the Pond's cold cream and pretty much anything that was bright red lipstick. And, you know, she would use mascara that was like wax. And we're talking old school theatrical makeup. 
And my sisters pretty much used Maybelline and CoverGirl and, you know, who didn't in the 1970s, 80s growing up. But I suddenly started to shift my life a little bit when I got pregnant. And I instantaneously, Julie, became nauseous and felt really sick. And my skin broke out in a horrendous rash. So I was even hospitalized because I kept throwing up and they immediately um, told me that I had something called hypermesis gravidium, which meant I was going to be nauseous for nine months. And what I was really nauseous to was chemicals Mm -hmm. and fragrance. And I could no longer open my medicine cabinet or my makeup bag or even my refrigerator because you know, the, your refrigerator basically is is another chemical shitstorm, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it's standard American diet with the ketchup and the mustard and the salad dressing and all the microwaves, and that's a whole nother conversation too. But so now, um, 26 years later, my daughter's 26 years old, my, my oldest, and I became a birth doula. I became a, a yoga teacher trainer. And I also came, became really passionate about Ayurveda and macrobiotics. I never studied traditional Chinese medicine, but in macro, we studied a lot um, of the parallels of macro and uh, traditional Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. So I, I became a lover of using less and buying, consuming, and recommending organic natural products. But Julie, this was an evolutionary product between 1992 and I would say 2012. It took me about 20 years to really make that full jump between, okay, I'm not going to buy Lancome and prescriptives, but I'm going to buy what origins. I think that was the first line that I thought was organic, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but to the best of my knowledge, it's not wink, wink. Is that true? Yeah. But because it says origins and they had concrete countertops in their stores and they were orange and green, I thought, oh my God, I've found heaven. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? I threw out all my crap and I bought more crap. And, you know, my rashes did kind of go away less and I felt better. But through the years, I slowly started to peel away all of that stuff. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but I am all about transparency and being honest. But I used freaking Johnson's baby powder. I'm sorry, children. But I did, and you know, and baby oil and all that crap, because that was pretty much what was available in the 1990s. I suppose I could have researched it and used cornstarch and, you know, all that stuff. But let's face it, that was what was there: the Balmex and other really toxic petroleum-based products on my infant baby's rare bottom. And from what I gathered, you know, I don't know how much, but somebody sued Johnson and Johnson and they won, I don't know how much money and I'm not a sewer, but there just has to show a lack of integrity for knowing that you're selling and creating a product that is cancerous and troublesome, particularly to children and pregnant women. That's what started my journey. And the second thing that really kind of started in the early 2000s is I started to show a lot more allergic reactions and to the point where I went to an allergist and they did that allergy test on my back Mm -hmm. and they found out I was allergic to sulfur 
and thimerosal. And of course, I'm like, what the hell is thimerosal? Like, that is not a word you use very often. I don't know a lot of the chemical names. I'm always the one that says, yeah, the pink one or the blue one. I'm like, no, you know, when, you, when you'd be like, what medicine should I take, mom? I'm like, take two of the pink ones. Right. <laughs> We're going back like, oh, Benadryl, whatever the heck it is. But so I, you know, immediately Googled it and found out that it's drumroll mercury. Mm. And I'm like, wait, they put mercury, the stuff that's in the, uh, thermometer. thermometer that if it breaks you pretty much poison yourself they put that thimerosal and sulfa not sulfur but i i happen to be allergic to sulfa they put it in there why and i i found through a little bit more research that it's a preservative yeah. that it keeps the product from back you know growing bacteria mm-hmm. but And then I realized that, you know, dimethicone, which is the other thing that my skin is allergic to, which many, many people are, it's like, it's like putting yourself in, um, you know, you're naked and you put oil on yourself or lotion on yourself and then wrapping saran wrap all over yourself. So you look like a mummy and you're wrapped up in food film, like saran wrap, right? Mm -hmm. Like industrial kitchen film, which should also be illegal, but we'll go there someday. Um, and, th- and it, it prevents your body from breathing. It, yeah. it actually pre- closes and seals the pores so that the, uh, the, the pores no longer have a way to absorb or to release toxins and, um, and to absorb nutrients. And that's why those lotions and lipsticks and mascaras and my God, everybody, if you don't know what dimethicone is, you really should. So I, my journey was because I was allergic to those three products. And then it was sort of like mid 2000s, I gave up pretty much any toxic skin product makeup. The only product that I still am pretty religious to that I just can't seem to replace it. I'm, I'm pretty much um, a mask addict and I can't find an organic plant-based mascara that won't flake off. So, and I don't want to get the little glued on extensions because the glue is really toxic. Mm -hmm. So I see so many women now really obsessed with the fake eyelashes and the glue and they get, their eyes get all bloodshed and then they get like little crusty and scabbing and because their eyes are crying to uh, heal mm-hmm. from the chemicals. So that's my journey. And I, I've been so blessed to have been able to find people like yourself who really have dedicated their life to changing the stigma and the mindset of not stepping into CVS. And I'm, I just use it, the CVS mindset, you know, it's like, that's where it, it for me, CVS was like, heaven. I would go there and be like, oh, look at all these amazing products that are going to make me feel better and make me stay healthy and make me heal when I'm sick and make me feel prettier and protect me from the elements and the sun. And, and honestly, everything in that store is or was toxic. I, I do say that the last couple times I've been there and being that we travel a lot and there's by the way, no CVS in Belize or Rite Aid or Walmart or, or Target or McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken. So we're, we're a little bit out of the realm with this. But the last couple of times I've gone in, I have, seen, I have seen some, quote unquote, this is my quote, pseudo 
organic lines. Mm-hmm. Have you been in any of those stores and are they, are there, are they carrying any product that's organic or should we just basically resign ourselves to never stepping in those stores again, other than to buy scotch tape or a stapler or something like that? Um, honestly, I, I have not been in any of those stores. <laughs> um, I don't believe yeah. you. Um, and I mean, a, I, we didn't have them growing up either, you know, in yeah. Alaska. And then just as an adult, it's just not, not where I've, gone because it wasn't um you know it wasn't part of my family culture to go someplace like that when you needed something so so I wouldn't know um and there is a lot of greenwashing I mean that does exist um so it, you know or 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 companies will like even what, what was I think it was um uh, seventh generation I was mm. looking at I was, I was somewhere where they had those soaps you know uh, detergents right and, and stuff and i was looking at them and it's like they're still using sodium lauryl sulfate you know mm-hmm. and here they're touting as being this um you know green yeah. and better for your house and whatever it is and and they're still using you know horrible ingredients in their products um so but they get away with it no they totally get away with it because the brand you know the brand power is strong enough now you know the brand power is strong enough that they can pretty much do whatever they want people don't even look because it's like their their brand power is so associated with clean and good and for the future of the earth and mankind and so on and so forth that that people don't really look at what's inside anymore and right. so um yeah the issue of, of of greenwashing is pretty huge you know, companies presenting themselves to be clean, but are not. And, you know, part of it, you know, like, you know, leaf people, you know, the the people part is, you know, leaf people's for the people, you know, I try to do as best I can with the leaves to make it available to as many people as possible. But there's also still the element of you're, you're going to get what you pay for, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and the synthetic ingredients are a lot less expensive. So whether it's a a matter of, you know, uh, a company maybe that could be found in, in Rite Aid or CVS that, that lists some botanicals on the front, like, oh, it has green tea and blah, blah. You know, if, if again, going back to the top five or something, if, if the big part of their, um, ingredient stack is still really inexpensive, more synthetic type ingredients. And then they've sprinkled a few botanicals in there to make it look cleaner. Right. The botanicals are not going to offset the bad stuff. The bad stuff is going to kill the botanicals, you know, (laughs) it's almost, it is a waste of botanicals. You're not going to get any benefit from that. Yeah. Like a bowl of really organic lovely cooking ingredients you've got the oils and the like let's say you're going to make a, a I don't know a cake or something and you've got you know organic you know whatever your products are whether it's plant-based or not and all of a sudden you decide to pour in arsenic like, right but there's 53 organic you know ingredients in that cake but there's one poison but that's okay all of the good ones are going to counteract the bad Mm-mm. it's the opposite, it's the, opposite. the one bad one or dangerous or harmful and i know arsenic might be a little bit um of a very um dramatic example but it's that negative energy and that and the the, the toxicity toxicity and um you know harm harm 
it completely overshadows and cancels out all good. Right. Yes. It's maddening. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know. So what can we do yeah, about greenwashing? Um, how, do we, how do we combat that? Well, it's, you know, I talk about this a lot with people. You know, it's, it's know your companies. Like, you know, that's why we're starting our blog with the Founders series, you know, so people can get mm. to know me as a person. It's important to know you know, who you're buying your stuff from, whether, yeah. whatever it is, you know, furniture, your carpet, your food, your skincare, like it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's good and enriching, you know, to, to try to take some time as much as you can to learn a bit about where your stuff is coming from and, mm. and who's making it before it gets to you and, you know, greenwashing and, um, kind of natural products presenting themselves to be a little bit of what they're not, or, um, I see it a lot with natural skincare companies that, you know, have gone to a big contract manufacturing facility to be made, you know, so it's whatever, whatever natural brand, but it's made in this massive facility that makes 500 different brands, um, so you're, you're missing, you know, a lot of that human element in the whole manufacturing process. And, right. um, so it's, you know, and, and, it, and again, it, it's baby steps, you know, if, right. if getting to know your skincare manufacturer is where you want to start. Great. You know, do some research and find out, you know, who and what has hands on this situation before it gets to you. You know, if right. you want to start with an actual grocery store or grocery store chain and do it that way and then whittle down to specific products, um, you know, again, it's just like learning to read ingredients in, a, in any kind of product. You, you don't want to take on the whole thing at once, like pick bits and pieces and start there. But, you know, in this in this day of, of mass manufacturing and factories and so on and so forth, I a, a lot of stuff kind of gets lost in the shuffle or gets misrepresented in the shuffle and then you have all the branding and marketing that goes on top of it to sell things you know which always kind of fudges the lines and blurs the edges you know I think it is important we ha we have to sort of step back from that and be like okay what is really going on here and right who is really who is really making this tea that I'm drinking every morning <laughs> you know and where are those tea leaves coming from? And, uh, you know, like it, it, you have to really, you have to get to know the company and there's so I many agree. great small companies out there and, and there's, you know, some stigma. I know when I first started, you know, there was like a stigma around small companies. Like nobody took me seriously. People didn't believe I could make anything that was good. Um, you know, cause I was so small and if it was good, I'd be big, you know, and I'd be this big successful company if it was good. And, and it's, you know, our goal at Leaf People is never to be a big company. It's, it's to, to make what we can make that is still within harmonia, harmony with what the environment will provide. And at some point we're going to hit a cap on that and that's going to be how much we can make. Um, right. but I'm not going to step beyond that and grow the company bigger to the point where we create an imbalance and um but you know again with 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 time and growth and shifting attitudes you know there is becoming a little bit more uh knowledge and respect around 
smaller manufacturers and smaller stuff can in many cases be better than, than large manufacturing, you know, products that are manufactured on a large scale, you know, that people understand that there's more care. Like I can, I can follow all my ingredients back to the source, mm-hmm. you know, right. my sources, because I'm not a gigantic company. My sources are the same. I'm working at the same sources that I've had for 10, 12, 15 years. You know, I've built relationships with these people. I've met their children and watched them grow up, you know? And so having that traceability, you know, is really important. And so getting to know me and and who I am as a manufacturer and know that I pay attention to that level of detail and I'm, super particular about what goes into the products and so on and so forth. And like the resources that I utilize to make sure that the cleanest things possible go into each product. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I handle that part of the tracing for you. And so getting to know me, then you know that that part is handled. Um, But that's, you know, it's, it's finding companies that are willing to be transparent that way, who are willing to be consistent and who are willing to pay attention to it. Could right. I get, and that is, that is a priority of a company and not everybody has that same priority. Mm-hmm. And as you get bigger, it becomes, I mean, you can certainly still trace your ingredients, but it often becomes more difficult. You know, like you can't, you know, if you get too big, it's hard to use anything that's well harvested because you can't get the volume that you need. Or, you know, you have to start integrating some fragrance into your scent profile because using pure essential oils at that volume becomes too expensive. Or again, you can't get the volume that you need. You know what I mean? Like that's where these little things start wiggling in. Right. And that's what the difficulty is because for the busy mom or the professional or the entrepreneur who doesn't want to take the time or doesn't have the time to take to do their research, the research they do is in the advertising and in the store itself. Mm-hmm. And that is almost too late because when you're, you're buying something on an impulse and you're just like, okay, I'm here. I have seven minutes to run in that store and buy blah, blah, blah. So you run in, you run up and down the aisles like a maniac. You throw it in your little cart. You get to the cash register. You put it there. You pay the bill and you're back in the car. That is the amount of time that your average person wants to spend researching and looking for accountability and getting to know the products and standing behind the products. I was one of those people. And I find that most of the people that I serve with not only yoga, but wellness and macro and Ayurveda, and now with divorce coaching, I am really walking people through a time of stress and a time of change and transformation. When you are going through a very stressful time in your life, your body suffers and your heart suffers and your soul suffers and your skin suffers and everything suffers because change is stressful. And what is the first place that shows in your body when you are starting to get sick? Drum roll, your skin. Mm-hmm. It, it, especially in macro, it's the first place that we begin to see shifts in illness, whether it gets dry or flaky or rashy, or there's bleeding or scabbing or whatever. And I'm getting a little dramatic here, but if you are not well due to stress change of any kind, it could be a job loss. It could be a family loss. It could be a relationship loss, a change of anything. 
immediately I find that there is a desire for most people to slow down, start to do a little bit more research, get more aware of what you buy, where it's from, who's making it, is it really what it says it is, is it worth the price, is it making me better, do I feel good buying this and supporting this business? Like, I know that the first organic product or organic company that I stumbled upon back in my journey in the 80s or 90s was Dr. Brahmers. And I did a little bit of research. They're the company that makes the soap. It's pretty, you know, pretty well-known company. And from a little bit of research I did, the man who is currently um, owning it and running it, I, I forget his name, shame on me, but his father or grand, I think it was his grandfather was this total hippie. And he really has kept the business of the same mindset that his, I believe, grandfather or great father did. They still use the same label that they did. And if you, if you next time you're in the store and you want to talk about, you know, transparency of labels, I'm assuming that they don't use sodium lauryl sulfate. I hope no, not. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should buy their soap. I'm just saying it's about transparency and knowing, doing your research. But, you know, the families, the, the business started with as like this boho, hippie, yoga kind of like rebellion thing. And now it's changed into this, you know, very um, successful business. And the labels on the soap are the same that they were back when they started the business, I believe in the 1800s. So talk about, it can be done. You know, these very small companies like yourself are shifting the awareness of wellness. But I just want to shift it a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Did you have something to add about that? I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, a lot of little keys, even when you're just searching online, um, like companies that don't post all, uh, post all their ingredients. Like I wouldn't even bother. I go to so many websites for skincare and things. Cause a, a lot of my clients, you know, email me and be like, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? And, right. you know, and a lot of times the stuff they send to me, like you can't find the ingredients, you know, mm. big red flag, or yeah. they'll only list the quote unquote active ingredients or key ingredients, you know, but they're not sure. going to give you the whole thing. You know, that's yeah. a definite, no, no, just don't even bother continuing there. Don't, don't walk down that path. Right. So, you know, like with leaf people, I mean, you can still email me directly. Like who is it that you can access in the com company to talk to, you know, like, are you really getting somebody who, um, is accountable is accountable who knows what's yeah. going on who's you know maybe at the location where all this stuff is happening versus somewhere else um you know so on and so forth you know those well, are that's kind a of perfect two you know easier ways to to kind of wade through the mass of information yeah i agree uh I'm glad that you brought that up about uh, the the words active ingredients or key ingredients or, you know, primary ingredients. And, uh, you know, well, what does that mean? And if you're not going to share all of the ingredients, what are you hiding? Right. It's certainly not that you don't have space on the package to put all of the ingredients. Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to shift a little bit here. I know we're getting close to, you know, wrapping up our conversation, but Talking about transparency and authenticity and um, accountability, 
And I don't know that this is a loaded question, but I'm really curious. How do you feel about the celebrities? And I say celebrities a little bit, um, you know, tongue in cheek. Some are, some aren't. And I'm not really a big celebrity, um, you know, um, hero worship type person. I'd much rather use a product from somebody I don't know that can stand behind it than somebody that is on the front of People Magazine. But Mm -hmm. how do you feel about the celebrities that create or are the face in front of a line of, say, organic skin products? And I guess I'd throw out the names of like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop and Suzanne Summer. She has her own line and even Jessica Alba and Honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they're rather high priced compared to other lines. And is their celebrity ship or their notoriety or their, you know, well-known marketing abilities worth paying the extra dollar for? Are they really what they say they are? And how do we decipher the, the person who is really just a poster child or somebody that really gets down and dirty in the lab and gets involved in using their own personal conviction of eating organic and environmental issues and sustainability. How do we decipher who is the poster child or who's the postage stamp and who really does the work? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, firstly, celebrities work. I mean, I, we I can't deny that in terms of sales. You know, if you put a famous face next to your face cream, it's going to sell. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line, and that is a proven marketing tactic that does work. Um, and of course, I've seen. Uh, commercials and products, uh, you know, that I, that I may know better than others, you know, with a particular celebrity and it's like, oh, that's just such a horrible product. I would never use that on my body, but they're glowing and they've just had a fantastic facial and they've got a private chef cooking all their food. And so of course they look fantastic and so on and so forth next to this product. That's really not going to do anything good for you at all. Um, and so there's a lot of that happening, you know, this contradiction that is, is kind of dangerous. I mean, it's very misleading, I think. Um, we had a goop pop-up here uh, in Aspen last summer uh, that I went into right before they closed and just kind of mm. had a little snoop around. And granted, there were a, some beautiful products in there. I mainly just looked at the skincare and didn't look at anything else. Um, Great ingredients, you know, beautifully packaged, probably really good stuff, um, but expensive, you know, like right. really expensive. And I, as you know, myself as a manufacturer, um, you know, like I know what stuff costs more or less, you know what I mean? So right. I can look at a, your a cream and be like, okay, this is like, 10 times higher than it really should be based on what's in it, you know? And so then, you know, like, okay, this is really all about the marketing or it's about the placement or whatever. And so that's, you know, all this stuff has to get paid for, you know, everybody's got to make their money in these larger situations. And so that's the, the common thing 
I typically find is just that those products tend to be very overpriced for okay. what you're getting. Um, some of them are, are still good. I honestly haven't looked at any honest products, but I, I do know that, you know, there was a big to do a couple of years ago with her sunscreen not working and people getting horrible sunburns or something, but I think they worked all that out, but I, I haven't really looked at anything else out of that line in terms of ingredients. Um, goop is really probably the only thing that I've looked at directly. And, and those aren't goop products. They're products that goop carries made by other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you see the stuff on TV, which is typically, you know, t- typically if you're seeing a commercial for it on TV, you know, those, those commercials in that time is, is really, really expensive. So that's where the money is going. The money is going to the advertising. It's not going into the product itself. I mean, who doesn't have a skincare line? I, I, you know, know. we've moved, we don't really watch a little TV, so this could be a dated conversation, but I remember seeing what Cheryl Teagues and Cindy Crawford and people that I, Jane Seymour, like we could go we could probably spend 15 minutes just listing quote unquote celebrities that either have a fragrance um, and I've had a skincare line or a makeup line, right? Am yeah. I wrong? And I, and I've had, you know, I've had, and I don't know if name dropping on your podcast is okay, but like I've had, you know, I've had people come to me at the market cause I'm at the market every Saturday. Like you can get straight to me face to face, you know, every <laughs> Saturday and this year it'll be Saturday and Sunday. And if you're so, in Aspen, go everybody go and see it's a Julie great, Ewell. it's a great place. Yeah. Great market. It's Super magical. Fun. It is. Yeah. Um, so I get a lot of direct feedback about all kinds of things, but I have had people who've used like the, the, the Cindy Crawford one and um, not, I haven't heard any ever any good reviews on that one. Um, the only, the only real positive comment I have is I, I do know some people, I think uh, Rihanna started a makeup line. Is that correct? Possibly. Um, and I have had some people come to the market to me, you know, and, and tell me that they've, they've liked the results of how it works. Um, I typically recommend some different makeup lines that are, uh, you know, sold, you know, still owned by a person who's still more hands-on manufacturing in the process and, and right. that, that, that I know the ingredients are really clean. I haven't looked at those ingredients. Um, so I don't typically recommend something like that. I would, I would go with the company that we, that we already know and have a connection to. Um, Do you but, have a plan in the future to make uh, leaf people make up? We're no, we won't go in that direction. Um, okay. Our next uh, big line we're going to launch next spring is we're doing a, uh, like a leaf people simple. Uh, it's going to be without, uh, without packaging or minimal packaging. Um kind of a more streamlined regime, mm. um, things like that, you know, that will just be like kind of, you know, if you just want to really keep it simple, but have good results kind of, you know, idea. Um, Sign me up. I love it. Yeah. So that's going to be our next project, but we won't, you know, we're not going to go really into like hair care or makeup, you know, probably not that direction. Cause we're really skin, um, you know, skin just the your, health of, this, of thing, the yeah. skin, like the health of the skin, how to keep that healthy. Uh, is our focus. Um, but is, yeah. Is there a makeup line that you would suggest if a woman I came do, to you at the market? I do what do you, like, what do you tell um, them? I found a company last year at the Indie Beauty Show, which we're showing at this year in New York. I went to all their shows yeah. last year to check them out. And there's a company out of um, 
Canada I like called Saint, S-A-I-N-T. Mm. I have um, seen that, yeah. Their packaging is a little excessive, I think, but, you know, that's also, you know, when you get into makeup, it's it's a much more difficult uh, sure. place, you know, because people yeah. have expectations about packaging. Um, and then there's another company out of the U.S. I want to say they're in the Chicago area, but I could be completely incorrect there, um, called Clove and Hollow. They were kind mm. of like my second choice. I did like the Saint a little bit better um, in performance, um, but but the Cloven Hollow is also quite nice. Um, yeah. And then I do, you were talking about mascara earlier, and I often get, it's a little brand that I know Whole Foods carries. They probably carry it other places too called Pacifica. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And their mascara formulas is not too bad, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's, uh, and I haven't had it flaking. I, I, it wears pretty well. It, it wouldn't be yeah. necessarily a good choice for like a, a night out, but it's fine for kind of daily wear if you're just sure. doing jeans and a t-shirt or something. Right. Um, and I've been wearing less and less makeup every year. I just feel um, freer and more comfortable in my own skin and my own self that I rarely wear, uh, uh, what's the word, you know, um, what's that fun? like fun jewelry, like costume jewelry. Uh-huh. Like I just, I, I just can't relate to costume jewelry anymore. I find it uh, burdensome and heavy and cumbersome and ornate and unnecessary. <laughs> I'm really getting to be quite the minimalist, Julie, you're going to laugh. <laughs> and I, like, it's pretty yeah. pathetic, you know, um, you know, I have my like very preferential underwear and yoga clothes and a couple bathing suits and some really lovely, comfortable dresses that I love to wear by a couple of designers I follow that are making clothes out of sustainable organic fabrics and they're made in the U.S. And um, and one of them actually is in Colorado. I don't know if you know Autumn Tunnell, but her work is really cool. Mm. And um, yeah, she makes some really great clothes out of organic, sustainable fabrics. Oh, Autumn, like the fall, Tunnell. I think it's T-E-N-Y-E-L. Pretty well, sure. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's another woman up in Maine. Her name is Collie Flower. Don't laugh. C-O-L-L-Y-F-L-O-W-R-E-R. Obviously, it's a made-up name, but it, I mean, maybe not obviously, but <laughs> it, it, that's her label. Yeah. And she's going by it, and she's sticking with it. So, and wow, I like, I sleep in her clothes. They're so mm. freaking comfortable. And cotton organic just like really nice and you know I was a little bit disappointed because the lines that I was wearing that was all cotton made in the USA like the James Purse stuff you know it's all made in in sweatshops now overseas so I can't say all of it but a lot of it is even American apparel like they're really nice cotton t-shirts ow um you know it's really really hard to find clothing that is organic never mind skincare and makeup so the more I can educate and throw out brands because I want to support people that are making organic skincare and organic makeup and organic clothing because it's better for the environment. It's better for you. It's better for mankind. It's better for our economy. It's better for everyone. So it, thanks for sharing. That's really cool. And I just want to wrap up with your charity work. Mm-hmm. So I know that you, which really makes my heart sing, give a certain percentage of your sales donated to passion projects. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your charity work, why you do that, who you give the money to, and just how that makes you feel as an entrepreneur? 
Well, uh, you know, I feel like to, you know, to have gotten where I am, so much was given to me. And so Mm -hmm. it's just like a natural step to give back as I go along. And so charity has always been, you know, a big part of what we do, you know, even in the beginning when I was making no money, you know, I was still donating something to charity. And, um, and, you know, then as we grow, you know, it grows and, and the goal eventually is to, you know, be able to create our own foundation, you know, like to have, um, you know, some real capital to work with from, from the brand, and, and, and for, you know, just also for as a tidbit and I mean, I'm tooting my own horn, I don't know, but we don't like, we don't add the charitable contribution onto the price. Like that, mm. kind of, that comes out of my piece, you know, right. so it's not like 5% donated charity and you're paying 5% more for this lip balm. You know, it's that is not factored. It's not how it rolls. It's yeah. not factored into our pricing. It, it, that comes out of, out of my part. Um, but it is based on, on our sales. So any, anything you buy will contribute to that contribution. And so, yeah, I've, I've worked for uh, decades since I started the company with a great nonprofit called United Plant Savers. And they're Ooh. based here in North America, in Ohio. And their focus is uh, preserving the native medicinal plants to North America. You know, they're all about, you know, the indigenous plants that were here, keeping them here, keeping their population safe, keeping their, um, you know, environment where they grow safe and protected. And so through them, I've, uh, I've done this kind of plant adoption where, you know, we've adopted the Hawaiian sandalwood on the big island of Hawaii, which uh, is the only place in this part of the world where sandalwood naturally grew and has pretty much been decimated. And so I think since 2016 or so, um, I've been, you know, every year I help finance this project to, you know, grow the little baby trees and get them planted and, and try Mm -hmm. to reforest this area with, with the native sandalwood. And that's something I hope to, you know, continue, you know, onward, you know, and forever, you know, as long as I am around and, um, because I, I just think it's really important that we, we care for the plants that are here. You know, they're here long before we were here and, and we need to take care of them. And um, I also, as a, as a Buddhist practitioner, I've been studying and practicing Buddhism for close to 20 years. So a portion of our money does go to supporting, you know, practitioners, monks and nuns, uh, some here in the United States and some, you know, Tibet or Bhutan, um, I did a pilgrimage year before last to Bhutan to uh, visit a monastery that holds the seat of the lineage that we study here in the West and Mm -hmm. um, got to actually stay. I stayed with the family, you know, Mm -hmm. I practiced in the monastery all day, every day. And um, so we built quite a strong, you know, our, our Buddhist center here built quite a strong connection with them in Bhutan. And so we're, Uh, Like we're building a school for the children there and we're building some kind of quote unquote senior housing for the older practitioners that's really close to the temple so they don't have to walk so far to get to practice and, you know, it'll have better indoor plumbing and things like that, you know, which will make life easier for them as they, as they age. And so, you know, we fund projects like that. And then, you know, we also, um, you know, we do a lot of 
local things, you know, with the animal shelter or Challenge Aspen or different, you know, local groups that have fundraisers and events here, you know, try to try to split it up and, and, and do some things that also go back into, you know, the direct mm. community where, where we are. Do you sleep, mm-hmm. my dear? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping is not a big part of this picture. <laughs> no. And have you ever attended the, the, the event in Aspen called Lead with Love? I did. I taught a little thing there last year, um, which was great. I taught a little uh, aromatherapy blending class and everybody got to make their own mist. And it was, it was super fun. It was super fun. That's, I, I, you beat me to it because I was going to say that you need to be there, but you yeah. already are. And you're, you're on it. So what yeah. an amazing event with that. I love it. So. Yeah. And lastly, how can people find you and your products? Well, you can go to our website, leafpeople.com. And uh, all the products and everything are there. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Leaf People. We have a Facebook page at Leaf People. Instagram is more um, kind of typical Instagram things, pictures of products. And I always talk about the products or, or you know, medicinal plants or stuff in there. Um, and then our Facebook is more, I post more kind of current events in the field. You know, like we just posted a bunch of articles on um, the child labor used in mining mica that goes into makeup, which makes it sparkle, you know, and kind mm, of the, the in, investigative journalism, you know, that's kind of uncovering things like that. So Facebook is more sort of news and current events in the field. And then Instagram is more specifically about medicinal botanicals and what we're doing, um, just to keep them differently. And then, you know, in Colorado, we are in Whole Foods. We're in, um, you know, uh, clinics in Scottsdale and Seattle. We're probably about seven, eight different states with naturopathic doctors, chiropractors, et cetera. And all of that information will be on our website in the, you know, like where to buy area. And if you want um, a facial with Leaf People products, where to go, you know, things like that. Because you can, you know, we have different uh medical estheticians and, and day spas that will use our products in-house, you know, so you can actually go get a treatment with our products as well as purchase them mm. to take home. Um, and, and you don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And if you're in Aspen, you can get a Leaf People facial here as well. If you're in Seattle, you can do it. Um, Iowa, you know, various places around the country. So yeah, there's a, if you go to the where to buy section on our website, it will list all those different options. Perfect. Well, I can't thank you enough from our initial meeting way back in August of 2017 to uh, May of 19, coming up on our second wedding anniversary and uh, our second wedding anniversary or anniversary of meeting. And um, I invite everyone here to follow Julie and get to know her company, Leaf People, support her passion projects try her products and know that what you see is what you get. She's the real deal. Well, thank, thank you. you Colette. It's, and I've loved, you know, watching our friendship and relationship grow, you know, both business wise and personally. And this is going to be a great journey that we're going to be weaving in and out of each other's lives for a long time. And it's really, it's really beautiful. Thank you. We feel yeah. the same way. We look forward to coming back to Colorado shortly uh, I think in 2020, we have another um, Colorado Aspen visit back to our uh, pilgrimage back to uh, 
the uh, elopement, the sign of this, the scene of the crime. Oh, so that's great. We'll see. It'll be fun uh, this year. We're we're not gonna go for our second, but um, I think it's I think it's in the um, the bucket list. So we we shall we shall see you again. Well, we must get together when you're here. I will. <laughs> Well, a big virtual hug and um, thank you everybody for tuning in and to everybody keep thriving, thriving in the chaos.